Um, and then I made a um, a Manhattan uh, ice cream. So it smelled like piss, and there was garbage everywhere, and it had just bunches of rat yeah. parts and stuff in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But mostly piss. Um, and uh, if you lean your ear real close, you can hear it go, Hey, I'm ice cream here. <laughs> hey, I'm chilling here. <laughs> that's, uh, no, I like mine better. Yeah. That's, yeah, no, that's fair. Gaslighter, I hardly knew her. It's Think Outside the Box Set, the internet's only outrage machine. I'm Nat Hunt, and I'm saying all the tasteless things all the time. You can't stop uh, me. And I'm Cameron DeWitt. We are, uh, we're talking about Gaslighter. This is the ultimate episode for now mm-hmm. of our The Chicks season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they took a long break before this one, didn't they? This is 2020. I believe the last one was 2006. Uh, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. a long break. 14 years. 14 Although, years. Apparently, yeah, Natalie Maines released a solo album in 2013. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what that well, is like. Because, I mean, spoiler, the progression between the last album and this one feels like there's several albums missing of development and change um, yeah in the timeline i mean there there are <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh yeah this is and most of those are twi- taylor swift albums <laughs> yeah exactly this is a jack antonoff album which basically means it's a taylor swift album yep that and, is what that uh, means it's kind of all jack antonoff stuff all yep. jack antonoff flavor yes um, I kept thinking, and, like, uh, it's, this songwriting is so different sounding. I was like, wow, a lot of this sounds yeah. like fun, the band. And, uh, and yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize Jack Antonoff was the producer. And, of course, he was the main guys. He was one of the main guys in fun. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, obviously, Taylor Swift sounds a lot like her. <clears throat> Some of the songwriting kind of sounded like Regina Spector to me, too. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe it just got Reggie on the brain. <laughs> Reggie on the brain. Uh, I haven't had Reggie on the brain in a long time. I was oh revisiting uh, Begin to Hope a couple months ago, road tripping, and uh, I thought it was pretty good. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, those albums are good. I I loved Soviet Kitsch. I had the like uh, visu- visual album for it that I watched all the time. Cameron, that's called a so movie. A fucking little. It's called a music video. <laughs> There was a visual album, like there was like a DVD that came with a CD or, or somehow, and like you could like, or maybe it was a CD that you could put in your computer and then it you could find video files or something. There was like a short film, a mm-hmm. collection of music videos. Uh-huh. Anyway, I, I watched that all the time because I was a fucking little piano pop twee <laughs> queer. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry at the... Uh, What's it called? The place in the Pearl? The McMinimins? The Crystal Ballroom. Oh, right. Back Is that in the high Pearl? school. Not, that's on Burnside. I don't know if I call that the Pearl. Well, excuse me. You're excused, Cameron. You grew okay, up in Hillsborough. I won't hold it against you. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> said the person who grew up out in a mud puddle south of Eugene. <laughs> I also grew up in Portland. Thank you very much. Um, um, it's born in Portland. Uh, mm. Anyway, um, so Gaslighter. I'm not crazy about this album. I think that Jack Antonoff is kind of a brilliant pop producer and songwriter. Uh, but I feel like all of these ideas are kind of like diluted and um, there aren't very many moments of specificity uh-huh. where I feel like I'm listening to a singular voice, which I don't have to be listening to a singular voice, but if I can tell that a song is written by committee, uh, then that's like a problem. Um, Do you feel that lyrically for this album g- also? I felt I felt like that lyrically. I wasn't crazy about a really? lot of the lyrics. I, yeah, why did were you, did you love it? Well, I didn't necessarily love it, but it didn't feel like it was written by committee. It felt like so very personal and specific to Natalie Maines. Because spoiler alert, this is literally a concept album about her divorce. I think pretty much all of the songs are about it in one way or another. Um, I can tell that Natalie Maines is. And also Emily and Marty, who also have had their divorces um, with kids involved, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I can tell that, like, the subject matter is very personal, but, like, it feels very written by committee still. Like, I see. the way that it's executed. Uh-huh. <clears throat> you were um, saying? At times, it literally sounds like a musical, like the soundtrack from a musical about someone going through a divorce. Um so yeah. there's a lot of like very specific imagery or like touchstones. There's the tights on the boat, which feels like that is not something you would probably make up if you're just doing the songwriting. That is probably something that literally actually happened to her. Um, but I guess where they go from those experiences and those specific images, I guess I can see what you're talking about with like the written by committee. It also feels... And this is a bit of a tricky, tricky uh, uh, needle to thread. It feels a little bit bandwagony, perhaps, in some of the ways that it is like setting itself up as like we are on the right side of the discourse, and right. we are like hashtag woke. It feels a little bit like yeah, claiming to be hashtag woke. Um, yeah, the March March song I think is like really ooh. musically effective, but yeah. we'll get to it. But like yeah. the lyrics of it are just like, uh, no, yeah, <laughs> this, these it's, are bad lyrics, or yeah. at least the chorus, the refrain. Yeah, it's really not good. Um, we'll, we'll get there. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about a lot of these songs. Actually, I wrote mo- notes for like most of these. Great. Uh, so I'd be down for jumping into songs whenever you're ready. Um, okay. Unless I don't, I didn't look up any backstory stuff for this. Do you know of anything? Um, I that's a good question. I don't know if I know anything specifically. Um, I know that they didn't release really anything between the last album from 2006 and this album, except they were on a Taylor Swift track, um, right. which of course was produced by Jack Antonoff. Um, so that's probably how they got hooked up with him. Um, this is also, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's like kind of a lost Taylor Swift album in a lot of ways. Um, and they, they, uh, yeah, I guess they, they went on hiatus cause they wanted to spend time with their families. Um, and 
they did some solo project dabbling. Um, the two sisters, who are as as of now, according to Wikipedia, are known as McGuire and Strayer. They released some new stuff uh, in a duo called Courtyard Hounds. Um, and uh, yeah, like I said, Natalie Maines uh, had a solo album. Um, I guess they were they sang on a Steve Martin bluegrass album. Uh, huh. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to catch up on what they've huh. been doing. Yeah. That'd so be great. I guess the um the note I read that was like the only thing they did between the last album and this album was a Taylor Swift song was not accurate. Um, right, right. But as as Dixie Chicks <clears throat> or the Chicks. Right, yeah. Um uh which they did right before this album dropped, by the way. Uh June twenty fifth, twenty twenty. This album came out uh july 17th 2020 less than a month before the album is released they're like oh by the way we are changing our name um now yeah like the timing of that do you think that they had to like reprint stuff um or were they already planning on doing that because like i guess there were already reasons i feel like the the um oh shit we gotta actually address this like energy from you know the uh Aunt Jemima syrup companies of the world <laughs> and things like that. The lady Aunt we're, we're just that. Yeah. That was all like post George Floyd. And obviously this announcement was post George Floyd. I think. Uh-huh. Right. I think. So, yeah. I remember it being, I thought George um, Floyd was April or May, 2020. I think it was May. Maybe. Um, I just, I wonder like production on this shit, you know, <laughs> like is. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like it takes a long time to get things produced. Although, like, Especially at this level. I really wonder how many actual physical copies of this album they actually printed. Um, you know? That's the thing. If anyone's going to print physical copies, it's going to be like a major artist like this. You know, I guess they so. still go through the motions of putting their CDs and vinyls in record stores. Yeah. So. That's true. Huh. Um, they, they, apparently, they said they were moved to change it the name when they saw the confederate flag described as quote the dixie swastika on social media in june 2020 um yeah Hmm. yeah so um there's a whole article about it on the new yorker why the chicks dropped their dixie which has some interesting stuff including um uh where was it i was just looking at this here we go yeah karen l cox a professor of history at the university of north carolina at charlotte uh, and the author of Dreaming of Dixie, How the South Was Created in American Popular Culture, uh, says, quote, As a scholar of the South, I regard Dixie as a term that not only refers to the states of the former Confederacy, but is synonymous with segregation. Uh, she also cites right. the Dixiecrats um, in the yeah. late 1940s who split off from the Democratic Party because they didn't like that the Democratic Party was pushing for civil rights. And instead, they joined the Republican Party. Um where they were welcomed with open arms. <laughs> uh, yep. Well, uh, I guess one more thing before we get into the songs. So, like, the did you, do you know the person who she was married to, Natalie? Uh, Pazdar. Adrian Pazdar. Adrian Pazdar. I do not know much about or anything about him really. They were did married for like watch seventeen years. The show heroes on nbc in like 2008 no i never did i never got into it 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 was a superhero kind of like 
soap opera trash show. Uh, I was super into it. It was very entertaining. He was one of the main characters in at least the first season, if not the whole series. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, he's been they in a talk lot of in this stuff. first wow. song. We'll, yeah, he's in Carlito's Way. <laughs> That's a big, big movie. He's in Secondhand Lions. Um, I saw that. Uh, oh yeah, I've seen that. Uh, Agents of Shield. <laughs> <laughs> um. Apparently, he's the voice of Iron Man in some sort of, like... Oh, in a video game. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, he's, like, kind of like a... I don't know. Kind of a B-level actor. Or C-level, um, maybe. Maybe C-level. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I just didn't know that they were, that they were together. Um, and mm-hmm. apparently, uh, Adrian passed... Pazdar asked the court to give him access to all of Maine's unreleased music over yep. concerns it might violate a confidentiality clause in their prenuptial agreement. Although he had previously argued in divorce proceedings that the couple's prenuptial agreement was invalid, mm-hmm. claiming that Maine's should owe him financial support. Uh, yep. So he's trying to have it both ways. Yeah. And uh, f- and yet, for some reason, he objects to being called a gaslighter. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> seems so, like kind uh, of a thing a gaslighter would do, dude. So right, if the apparently gas she fits. wrote like, or according to me, if the gas fits, well, it's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good uh, episode title. Hold on, really quick. <laughs> um, the gas famously can fit all sorts of places because of its state of matter. Oh, um, famous! It's very famous to me. Uh, so. In September 2019, Maines revealed during her Spiritual Gasm podcast. Oh my god, that's that that's the album the name would of her be titled Gaslighter. That's the, apparently she's got a podcast. It's called Spiritual Gasm. I knew she was on a podcast called that. I didn't know it was her podcast. Wow, apparently it's that her podcast. Tells Holy me so shit. much about who she is as a person. Yeah, it's oh that boy. sounds like a real like L.A. Uh, like a Pete Holmes sort of like spirituality. Like yes, Ram like, Dass, like like if 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 Alanis Morissette was an LA person, that person would have yeah. a podcast she, called Spiritual Gas. She's from Canada, dude. A well, she's from Canada, but I don't know if she. Very yeah, few know, pe- when people not, talk about LA people, they're not yeah. talking about people who are from LA. You're right. You're right. It's just all this. Yeah. <laughs> worst assholes yeah. from every town just sort of like moves there yeah <laughs> but yeah apparently um she according to her on this podcast uh she said when i started getting when i started getting a divorce i had a lot to say so that kind of sparked me being ready to make new music songwriting's really hard for me and i think for many years i didn't want to analyze my life or a relationship i was just in it and dedicated and devoted i was not ready to open up like that Mm-hmm. So, uh, according to her, is post divorce when she actually started writing songs. So, mm-hmm. all right, uh, um, should we talk talk songs? Yes, we should talk some songs. Um, let's start off with the first one, the titular track, Gaslighter. You're such a gaslighter, denier, 
Yep. So very different sound for this band. Um, it's pretty much just like mainstream pop sound with like a little flavoring added by some of these acoustic instruments. Um, there's barely any fiddle yep. on the record at all. Um, it kind of sounds like uh, uh, what's that little Muppet guy with the red hair? Dominic Domnall. Oh, uh, who? No, oh, not Mason. No, 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 not the singer one who's like really popular. Uh, I'm confusing him with the other guy. Oh, Ed Sheeran. That's the <laughs> one. Looks the same. Yeah. Ed Sheeran. Um, oh my god. So like how he will have an acoustic guitar that he's just like kind of lazily strumming, and it shows up in the production, yeah. kind of, um, or. I don't know. I, I I didn't. I don't know. I would imagine that a lot of like later Mumford and Sons stuff ended up sounding like this, um, going from their like, uh, quote unquote, like acoustic sound to something like this. I would imagine, um, though I didn't really follow the, them. This is pretty Mumford core. Yeah. I mean, I feel like their their acoustic sound did sound like this. Hmm. Like uh, the piano, mm-hmm. the sort of like big booming piano mm-hmm. with like very emotional chord changes and reharmonizations mm-hmm. um yeah i mean i think it's very effect effective um and i think that the i think the production and arrangement does a lot of the work of this song uh yep. and uh my main issue with this song is that we we've talked about i think on the show we've talked about this idea of um I, would, I want to credit this to John Roberts, maybe future guest of the show, um, my brother-in-law and our mutual friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's talking about the idea. He's told me the idea of cliche and like what its use is in art making. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he's a jazz musician. So he, uh, they use the word cliche a lot differently. Uh, specifically, you're supposed to study line cliches in jazz. Mm. Um, but he also talks about it like um, in lyrics too. And, and his case for the cliche is a cliche is there as a shorthand to um, very succinctly uh, reference a bunch of ideas and concepts, but a cliche is only really valuable Mm-hmm. If you're using it to pack something dense with meaning and then use that as a jumping off point to say something else. Um, and uh, I think there's something similar. There's a similar issue with uh, writing zeitgeist, you know, buzzword songs yes. like this one. Uh-huh. Um, because they are not developing the idea or using the idea of gaslighter to say something uh, like effective. They're not using it as a shorthand to say something bigger and more personal. They're saying like, Oh yes, finally there's a, um, a zeitgeist word word that describes my experience, Mm -hmm. which is fine, but it is not particularly artful. And then in the song, there is very, very little that has anything to do with um, the gaslighting that happened. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> there, it it's it doesn't really explore, you know, the speaker's feeling of doubting herself or right. questioning herself or feeling crazy. The only or, reference um, is literally her saying no. There's 
tried to say I'm crazy, babe. We know I'm not crazy. That's you gaslighting. Yeah, she like yeah, actively that's just avoids a general any of it. <laughs> definition of yeah. the idea. Yeah, and so like to me, it was a little un- irritating listening to the song um, because on an art level because I was just like, you're just. You're just use you're just like you said bandwagoning. You're hopping on to this like popular idea, but you're not necessarily. You're just making a soundtrack for it. Um, but you're not contributing to the discourse or saying anything personal. Um, obviously, this song is very personal, but yeah. like the actual content of the lyrics isn't personal. It could be about anyone, um, which I think puts this song squarely into the category of in my opinion, craft and not art. Yes. I'm sure that this song is very useful for someone who is listening, maybe a woman in a coercive or shitty relationship with a man, um, maybe mm-hmm. specifically, because that's the situation in this song. Uh, maybe this song could be useful in galvanizing someone's like ego to like prepare them to stand up for themselves. Yeah, the like um, triumphantness of it to be like, it'd be a good like pump up song yeah. before you like actually tell the asshole to leave or whatever you know um yeah yeah but i don't think it's a song that's going to make you question anything or it's it's a song that's supposed to confirm a bias that you already have that maybe you need some extra help confirming which is fair but like because of that i'm not a huge fan of this song uh and um yeah on an art level and um it's so catchy it's very catchy yeah um, and I used the the phrase bandwagoning earlier, which I think kind of implies like a cynical hopping on for gain. And that's not necessarily right. what is happening. It's also very possible that like no. they're introduced to this idea that they hadn't really known about before through the discourse, the cultural conversation evolving a bit and People starting yeah, to Natalie talk Natalie Maine about. says on record that she learned about the word in therapy. Ah, yes. Okay. So, yeah, it's like, as all these people are becoming aware of it, that can include even famous people to be like, oh, okay, there's this dynamic happening. And the cultural conversation in 2020 or 2017, I guess, which when she actually divorced him, is like so different from 2006. And right. has a lot more... Um, uh, has a lot more like discussion about toxic masculinity and like patriarchy and ways that yeah. like men wield power over anybody. <laughs> and one of the ways is like gaslighting is making lying to someone and then uh, trying to get them to question their own sanity um, basically, um, which is yeah, what that is. Um, it, yeah. I mean, it comes from the movie gaslight uh, in 1944. So, which I saw that movie when I was like pretty young. I want to say I was like 12 or something. We had these like movie nights we would go to. Um, I remember it being like kind of upsetting. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And the dude in the movie, like literally is like turning down or like flickering the gas lamps in the couple's home. Um, I think there's some reason for it. He's like, he's like using the gas for something else. I forget what it is, but like, that's where it comes from is like the lights are flickering or they're going, they're fading. And she's like, what's happening. He's like, what are you talking about? Nothing's happening. You're going crazy. Yeah. You need to be put in a sanatorium. You're hysterical. Yeah. Um, 
I, I have no trouble believing that like Adrian, the man that this song is ostensibly about, is a gaslighter mm-hmm. and denier and a liar. Yeah. Uh, or a big timer. It sounds like he was a real piece of work just based yeah. on the Wikipedia article that I read about their divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, but also based on the other songs in this album that kind of go into more depth about the situation uh, and offer some more specifics. And um, yeah. I have a, a sound sample of um, something that I think is a a wonderful moment of musical harmonic manipulation. Um, go ahead and play the sound sample, then I'll talk about what's going on in there, and then we'll get back to it. Cool. All right. So somehow I I just knew that the song was in D. I don't think I have perfect perfect pitch, but mm-hmm. um, so um, this song uses that that phrase gaslighter that little melody thing, and it keeps that the same. Uh, there isn't any harmonic tension in the melody at all. Right. Yes. But because it stays static they're able to move chords underneath that and recontextualize it. And I think it's a pretty effective little thing, um, little method because they don't do it in the, in the first chorus. Like they just keep it kind of like pedal tone just on the one chord. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll show you real quick. I'll run over to the piano. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Yep. Okay. So it's like, it's just like the one chord. But then in that sound sample that we heard, it puts a B in the bass, which is the minor six chord. And then a four chord. And then a one chord. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it goes. It ends on that four chord with um, gaslight, gaslight. It makes it into a major seven chord. Um, we talked about this, I think, last week in one of the songs, but using a melody to create a chord extension, I think is a really effective arranging decision. Um, and uh, that is what, that's one of the main things that I think makes this song um, very emotionally effective is that um, it uses a deceptive cadence. Um, that's specifically Sneaky. where. A gaslighting cadence, you might say. Yeah, it's a gaslighting. You thought we were going to the one chord. What's wrong with you? I was always going to the six <laughs> chord. Um, a, decept- a deceptive cadence, I, I, or at least one of the most common examples of, of a deceptive cadence is when you have a five chord or some kind of dominant function chord. You're expecting it to go back to the one, but instead it goes to a different chord, most commonly the six chord. So it would sound like this. Um, this five chord and then you think it's going to go back to the one but instead it goes so it goes to the six chord instead um and this works because the six chord shares notes with the one chord the one chord in this in this key would be um a d major chord d f sharp a 
and the sixth chord is B, D, F sharp, it is functionally the same chord, um, but it has a different root note and it affects the tone, although it is not tense in the ways that other chords uh, diatonic to D would be. So it's a it's a it's a easy little way to create some drama, especially when you're putting the um, kind of emotive piano jank, Jack Antonoff playing underneath it. This Mumford core mm-hmm. kind of sound. Yep. Let's listen to it one more time so people can hear it, and I'll point out okay. the uh, core changes. Here, is it deceptive? Four. One. Five. To the four. Five. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, I think that that is doing a lot of the work in this song. <laughs> it's yeah. just that chord progression underneath that melody. Yep. And, uh, God, I'm just not great lyrics writing just be like you liar it's like okay i mean you don't yeah it's not very artful <laughs> yes uh we've talked about one song you want to talk about sleep at night uh, yeah i think this song does a better job than track one yeah at the similar content I forgot about that little laugh. The strings. There's nothing uh, funny about that. How do you sleep at night? How do you tell the lies? The um, banjo kind of running underneath this is great. Yeah. Also very Mumford and Sons. Um, you know... I think oh boy, Here it comes. I think that Emily is a better banjo oh, player than that Jordan y- Peterson. Totally. Well, obviously she is, but right. like I think she's better at applying her stuff to pop music than than that guy. Right? Because he he really only knows one role, and it's do ba da ba da ba do ba da ba da ba do ba da ba da ba da. He just does it, you know, past the twelfth fret, and he does a good job at that one role. But that's really all he knows how to play. Right, and she can play all sorts of really interesting stuff um including very simple stuff and i think she's a lot more tasteful but ultimately i agree that is the effect is a better mumford than mumford could ever do yeah that is what i intended i didn't mean to make it sound like i was comparing their skills because yeah as you say um yep uh there's some good specifics in this song which i think help it a lot um, especially in the pre-chorus ones uh, or sections my husband's girlfriend's husband just called me up how messed up is that it's so insane that I have to laugh but when I think about our two boys trying to become men there's nothing funny about that um, yep and then then the second pre-chorus is remember you brought her to our show at the Hollywood Bowl she said I love you I'm such a fan I joke that you can love me as long as you don't love my man there's nothing funny about that pretty pretty awful like tragic irony in retrospect for her to like make yeah. that kind of joke and then surprise uh, he's yeah. cheating on her with her yeah this is ultimately a pretty prosaic song yes uh especially the chorus. <laughs> i think that 
especially in the chorus. How do you sleep at night? How do you tell those lies? Look at me in the eye, living a double life. Um, I I think that it earns it though. Um, I I think just the baffle, the feeling of being just baffled. It's just like I don't understand how you're like continuing to disassociate right. uh, at this level mm-hmm. um, where you're just lying to me. I can't tell if you know that you're lying or not. That kind of thing. Like right. that feeling is. Uh, yeah. And, and then these, and then these, you know, pre-choruses and verses. Um, yeah. Uh, so I think the song is better because it's actually depicting uh, the thing, the gaslighting. Right. Uh, yes. And the lying that the first song is ostensibly about. Yes. Um, and even just that extra little level of like actually depicting it, I think, is enough to uh, make it yeah. so much better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I really like this this little moment. Again, it's very prosaic, but but then I think about our two boys trying to become men. Um, right. This like you're supposed to be the example of masculinity for for our boys, and now they have to like grapple with this. Um, I think that's a really interesting specific detail um, mm-hmm. that she's not just worried about her kids being upset about you know a divorce, but they're like she she's worried about like how it's going to affect their psyches and their development as men and. I, there's this implicit, you know, like it is fragile trying to become men um, because boys to men, as we all know, because, <laughs> because boys Roman numeral two men. I was right? to pronounce boys <laughs> e or boys I men. <laughs> uh, um, do you want to move on to Texas man? Uh, yeah. Here we go. Let go. It's been way too long since somebody's body was tangled with mine. Yeah, tangled up with mine. Everybody wants top market, but I'm a little bit unraveled. Everybody wants a new model, but I'm a little bit more traveled. This is one of my fa- maybe favorite songs from this album. It's fun and cute um, and has some like uh, playful lyrics, which I think I really appreciate. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's all about wanting to get um, fucked by a dude from Texas. Um, <laughs> I mean, ostensibly, it, it says the word Texas once in this song and this song twice isn't really a Okay, maybe twice. This song isn't really about the locus of desire. This is a personal song about um, wanting to get back in the game, right? And like the the identity of the got man her groove back. and right, the identity of the man or his ethnic his ethnic identity specifically is very tossed off and very tangential to the actual song, even though it's the title. Yeah, and I, I'm a little curious about that because. A, when's the last time you met a good Texas man, especially in your age group, Natalie? Just curious. Um, <laughs> and also B, like, 
why specifically like make that the title of the like is this pandering because it doesn't seem like it doesn't do a very good job at pandering there's no texas identity stuff in here at all there's no pickup trucks there's no guns there's no deep fried turtle doves or whatever the fuck i don't know um i was i was gonna say i almost said turtle shells but then i swerved to the last minute because i was like that makes no sense deep fried butter i guess i don't know whatever the fuck they eat down in texas um uh, but the the chorus especially is like so playful and fun. Everybody wants top market, but I'm a little bit unraveled. Everybody wants the new model, but I'm a little bit more traveled. Uh, if you got the strength, I do. Then sign me up. If it's if I'm not too much for you, then sign me up. Sign me up. Uh, I'm a little bit unraveled, but I'm ready. That's uh, the only metaphor in this song, but it's really great. It's it's well. There's a couple metaphors in that in that chorus. Um, well, the, like top market new new model, like that right. same idea. Yeah, um, she's a car. She wants to be driven around, vroom vroom. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I like I like that this song is just like okay, it's been a while, but I to make up for it, I know what I'm doing and I know what I want, and I'm so horny. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Like, there's something arresting about that. There, there's something lovely about that she's in this song. Unapologetic. And think, yeah, she's like, yeah, I could use a Texas man who's not afraid to take his time. He's got to have patient hands. We know what that means. Because the way to my heart is through my, use my mind. <laughs> Been way too long since somebody's kept me up all night. Yeah, that good kind of keep me up all night, which I think is a clever little like thing to throw in there where it's like. You can also keep people up with being out right. all night, uh, banging your girlfriend right. <laughs> yeah. um, on her own, on your wife's boat, uh, throwing tights all over the place. That seemed to be, that, that comes up in several different songs, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I uh, Also, production-wise, there is a lot of overdrive in this song mm-hmm. like a lot of overdriven acoustic and electric instruments and i think it's like kind of a cool sound it like, is I think a cool it's sound like, yeah it sounds really good and and it similarly does a lot of the work of this song although i think this song is more fun uh lyrically than the other songs also i want to say i think natalie Maines's voice on this album is incredible it's really good yeah it's amazing. It's she's she's giving like Adele at different points. Um, what there's a lot like, of just like uh, she's com- like giving someone a computer. Like, dude, you're getting Adele. Like, <laughs> <laughs> who's she giving this computer to, Cameron? <laughs> Please explain. <laughs> uh, I think we're right into my web, so. little fly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh let's talk about let's talk about everybody loves you okay if you if we have to i don't know if i have much to say about it but here we go Try real quick to talk yeah. about it. i'm too mad i'm too late i'm too gentle it's too hard to explain i'm not helpful no it's my body and i'm trying to I want 
body and trying to God, this is like such a Taylor Swift melody too. Or like approach uh-huh. to songwriting. Yeah. Uh there are no there are no chicks, capital C chicks, uh, of the Dixie variety or of the redacted Dixie variety uh, in the songwriting credits right. for this song. This is written by Charlotte Lawrence, uh, Haley Jean Penner, Joe Spager, and Jack Antonoff. I don't really know any of these any of these people. Um, I think the thing that is interesting about this song is its use of talking about the body Mm -hmm. um, and about the body being capable of like hate and love Mm -hmm. and the body being sort of unreliable. That feels very modern and very like therapy language to me. Yeah. Um, A little bit of Alanis vibes maybe. (laughs) Yeah. I I, I think that's, I think that's interesting in this song. Um, And then also, the idea of everybody loves you um Mm -hmm. that's a a common uh, narrative in like abusive or gaslighting emotionally manipulative men relationships for straight men at least Mm -hmm. um this idea that like they're able to keep up appearances with everyone else um and like people will usually side with him a lot of times Right, and they're like, yeah. well, you're just being hysterical. You yes. Know, things like that. Um, and I think that this song captures those ideas um, pretty effectively in uh, the choruses. Um, I don't particularly care about the verses or pre-choruses. Um, I think that most of the work done in the song isn't, lyrically, is in the choruses. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I wanted to say about this song. Okay. Yeah, I think that that covers it pretty well. Um, And Natalie's singing is is gorgeous in the song. It's really good. Yeah. It's really good. Yep. Um, I think I have more to say about For Her, uh, which is their campaign song for Hillary Clinton. No, it's not. It's not. (laughs) It's like, really? (laughs) I'm just someone who cares. So dig a little bit deeper And be a little bit kinder And a lot less guarded Cause it takes, it takes It takes a lot of hard work Uh, yeah, so this is a, um, sort of like a time Not necessarily a time-traveling song But it's like, the idea is This is a songwriter Talking to themselves to their previous, uh, like youthful self um uh and the advice that they that she would give to her is so dig a little bit deeper be a little bit kinder and a lot less guarded because it takes it takes it takes a lot of hard work to get a whole lot stronger because it's real tough girl um uh yeah verse two wish i could go back and tell my younger self you're a fighter you just don't know it yet um yeah i i like that idea of like basing a song around um and i think hmm. a few times it is somewhat effective but yeah i don't know there's like a lot of stuff that's not very specific and feels just like kind of slogany 
um, like the bridge, for instance, stand up, show love for her, for her, uh, stand up, show up for her, for her. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, again, it's like, I appreciate the intent and like writing the song from this viewpoint, but a lot of the lyrics are just so on the nose and just like so flatly stated, um, and vague. Like a lot of this is, is vague. I think there's there's a little bit of um uh is it family systems theory? Uh maybe that's not what it is. I don't know. I think you're thinking there, of family there's this idea Okay, with uh well, I've had too much whiskey to remember some certain proper nouns. Steve Harvey? Never mind. Harvey Steve Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> <laughs> um family systems theory like uh i think is like a thing that describes um a way of thinking about your like one's identity as like being like what if you what if you weren't one person what if you were like a bunch of different needs that could be uh metaphorically described as sort of like a family inside your own head like what if you know and like i think the way it gets brought up a lot is like what about your younger self? What about the child you that needs to be protected? Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that there's, I mean, again, this is like more kind of like therapy language in here. Um, I think this song kind of tries to do a little bit of that, but it doesn't really go anywhere with it. It just sort of vaguely depicts that Mm -hmm. uh, idea. Um, And then, you know, says like, you know, stand up, show love for her, for her. This idea that like, it's hard to do that for yourself, but if you're caring for someone else, like mm-hmm. what if, what if the younger you was in front of you, you would want to like, you, you would give them different advice than you would give yourself. You wouldn't tell them to doubt themselves, you know? Um, so I think this song has some usefulness in it, but ultimately it's, you know, <laughs> It's just a little, a little vague and yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really is just like slogans and that really adds to the feeling of like bandwagoning of like, right. yeah. I mean, you would see like this written on a sign that someone's like holding a protest, like show up for her or stand up for her or something. Um, I mean, I guess also right. literally and the thing I keep referring to when Hillary Clinton's like official campaign slogan that was on millions of bumper stickers was I'm with her. Um, yeah. And then there was like a, um, you know, new acoustic, like trad pop, uh, group called I'm, I'm with her. I forget who's all in it. Really? It was like Sarah Jerose and, um, Sarah Watkins. I forget who the third person was. Another Sarah. Uh, at least two Sarahs in it and not saying something. Um, anyway, uh, I think the most damning thing about this song Damn. is this quote. Natalie Maines says she was a huge driving force behind those lyrics for sure. This is talking about the songwriter, Sarah Aaron's, um, Sarah's once short. she gets, and once she gets going, it's like a lyric train that you can't stop. And you don't want to stop. By the time we left that session, we had loads of options and we kept a lot of her lyrics, but changed some as well. 
just so we could have a part in the song. Oh, Sarah no. Aaron's did not need us. Oh, no. Well, that sounds Isn't like... Isn't that an interesting sort of, like, uh, complicated compliment? <laughs> it is. I, I can't tell if that's, like, a Freudian slip or if it is a awkward attempt at, like, self-deprecating, which is probably especially expected of women like in the um, music industry i don't know i feel like there's a lot of stuff Maybe. going on there that makes it really hard to tell quite what's happening in that um i mean maybe they're just like veterans and they're like yeah well, let's see what the new songwriters are capable of you know and like maybe they just have a very pragmatic attitude about that whole kind yeah. of thing and they're not interested in the artifice of um, this is also persona. like the same interview slash conversation where Emily Strayer just like starts talking about Michael Jackson and bubbles his pet chimp oh and how he like built a booth for the chimp in the recording studio. Uh, I like to imagine that Emily and Marty are just having fun. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, they're just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think you're right. Um, oh my god. Um, Sorry, this is an aside. This is a this is a. Uh oh. <laughs> I, I just checked uh, t- a tall poppy string band. Our album is, is live on all the services uh, now because it was East Coast. Hey, so. congrats! It will have yeah, been up go, for go a check it while out. by the time y'all are hearing this. But yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess that'll be it'll be up for like the last week. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, March, anyway, March. Uh, Mar- yeah, let's talk about March, March. Yep. I guess we have to. Here we go into the gun range. Standing with a man and our sons and daughters. Watching our youth have to solve our problems. I follow them, so who's coming with me? After you love me, half already hate me. March, March to my own drum. March, March to my own what a weird song it's a it's uh, it's definitely they made an attempt at a talking about the issues and mostly not even trying to keep it funky but um <laughs> at least keep it dramatic i don't know um yep so this is a a song about the issues this this song might as well have started with some moody piano and then a voiceover saying in these uncertain times american express will always stand with you like that's the sort of vibe that this song has um yeah march march to my own drum hey hey i'm an army of one. Oh, i'm an army of one uh because we always know we know that like that's so effective and that I mean, even within our own lifetimes, that has led to so much positive progress and social change is like one person on their own. (laughs) Well, also, I forgot that that was literally the army's slogan for like our, like when you and I were coming of age, like when we would have potentially joined the army in the early mid aughts is army of one. This idea of like the rugged individualist. We're not going to break you so that you can do organized violence for the state. You're an individual. You're an army of one. Yeah, uh, that's 2001 to 2006. 
It replaced Be All You Can Be, which was 1980 yeah. and 2001. And then... Uh, it was replaced by Army Strong in 2006, which is so fucking dumb. I always hated that. Like, I was living in Boston. <laughs> it's like caveman talk. <laughs> it really fucking is. I was living in Boston when the marathon bombings happened. Um, I was on my way to the marathon finish line on the T, actually, when it happened. Um, and I was, like, stuck at JFK Station where there was an unrelated just random ass fire at the jfk library it was chaotic Hmm. nobody knew what the fuck was happening um but the most annoying thing about about it (laughs) was how almost immediately people just started going uh boston strong but boston strong yeah it's just boston strong fire bad fire bad boston strong (laughs) (laughs) yeah it, it was really fucking annoying um I mean, I guess, like, there's maybe some admirable sentiment of, like, yeah, we're a community and, like, we're not going to let terrorism intimidate us. But as a slogan, it's so fucking bad. I hate it. Um, yeah. So, Army Strong, too. Um, and maybe that's where the Boston Strong thing fucking was came from. Like, maybe it was inspired by the Army Strong slogan. Um, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Anyhow. Yeah. So, I yeah, mean, that, Army that's of sort of, like, a little tangential rhetorical point for me but like uh yeah it's just this song is like it it just you're not an individual it it extra (laughs) yeah yeah that's like one of the like main themes and lessons that hopefully some people learned from 2020 it's like you're not just an individual uh what you do affects other people and maybe we can accomplish more if we like coordinate in groups or like have mass action or coordinated action of the working classes etc um but also it just is this extra layer of fucked upness that they keep referencing the army slogan from the time when they were canceled yeah for criticizing an illegal and um awful war it's like 2001 to 2006 during that time when they got completely canceled for being hey maybe we shouldn't just like kill a bunch of civilians for no reason um yeah and they're just like okay now we're going to use that slogan for our song about nothing um there's a lot of uh like (laughs) situations posited in these verses Brenda's packing heat because she don't like Mondays. She does love lasagna, though. Um, that's sort of <laughs> in the subtext, though. They don't really like explicitly say right, that in right, the song. Right, right. Um, underpaid police, or sorry, underpaid teacher, police in the hallways. Print yourself a weapon and take it to the gun range. Ah, uh, cut the shit. You ain't going to the gun range. I don't know who's saying that to whom. Um, standing with Emma and our sons and daughters, watching our youth have to solve our problems. I'll follow them. So who's coming with me? Half of you love me, half already hate me. There's at least two voices in this song. Um, yeah. And it's really unclear, like, what the fuck they're talking about or why. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, then verse two gets pretty cringy. Tell the old boys in the white bread lobby what they can and can't do with their yeah. bodies. Temperatures are rising, cities are sinking. Ah, cut the shit, you know your city is sinking. Lies are truth and truth is fiction. Everybody's talking. Who's going to listen? What the hell happened in Helsinki? Um, 
yeah. I remember just listening to the the lyrics. I wasn't reading along at that point. I was like, "That's like the <laughs> that's the worst lyric here." It's what the hell happened bad. in Helsinki? Um, that's like the most sort of like to date yourself. Just like this song is for no one else. Uh, this song is for the people like this month uh, who are listening to the song, mm-hmm. and then you'll forget because something else horrible will have happened and we'll have moved on. I mean, but this was also two years after that. Believe she is referring to, um, and this is what the genius annotation says that in July, 2018, two years before the song is released, Donald Trump met with Vladimir Putin uh, at Helsinki. um, And um, I forget. Yeah. They had like the private two hour meeting that nobody was allowed to be in or whatever. Um, yeah. So, yeah. That's pretty bad. Um, also, just the, that line before beforehand, everybody's talking who's going to listen. That is big centrism energy. That sucks. That's very, there's something happening here. It is that song. Yes, <laughs> it absolutely is. Um. Yeah, so I did not appreciate this this album. Um, and Natalie Maines, what she says about it is pretty rough. Um, I mean, I think right, everything in the video, you know, Black Lives Matter and women's rights and equal pay and Native Americans and LGBTQ and gun control, all of it. <laughs> but I think that's what's cool about the song is it's not so much about all the causes. I mean, the video is, and we definitely sing about certain things in the verses, but it's really about the listener and the person, whatever it is you're passionate about and what's important to you. You have that power to be an army of one, stick to your guns, you know, do what you believe is right in your heart. Unless you believe racism is in your heart, don't don't follow your heart on that (laughs) one. So she pulled back a little bit, but still, like, I I do not understand how people can be centrists um, when it literally comes to, like, Nazis are marching in the streets. The KKK is marching in the streets. um, And, you know, just whatever you're passionate about or whatever is important to you, that's what this song is about. It's like, take a fucking stand. Jesus. I I think what I said about Buffalo Springfield at at the time about that, something happened here song stop children whatever mm-hmm. uh is that it's the basically the take is like i'm an infant and there's a lot of colors and noises going on <laughs> exactly and, yeah. and i'm just like wow <laughs> <laughs> this is overwhelming yeah i'm just trying to take it all in mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the vibe of this song <laughs> yeah um yeah so my uh how I many took more? a couple samples yeah. of the oh, outro. Okay. I, I think that is musically arresting and mm-hmm. like before you play it during the music video, it is just I feel really complicated about this, but it's just like the it's the names of all of the black people murdered by the police. Um or like lynched in general in like recent memory. Um, and then like the names start slow and then they speed up and they go for an alarming amount of time. Yeah. And, um, I feel like, I don't know. I've, uh, it was affecting because I was thinking about all those people and there was like a musical accompaniment to thinking about those people, 
but also it felt like really um felt really gross because this song is so bad uh-huh. um yep <laughs> so i mean but then again just like the uh i can't remember the title of that B- buffalo springfield song um oh uh shit what is it it's like not any of the standout lyrics that it's became like, a protest song too I, I don't think this one ultimately did but like again the difference between art and craft like can this song be useful can it be mobilizing can it like stir up passion I it did in me even like years afterward after it was released just watching the music video so like I don't know I feel complicated about it uh, the song is called for what it's worth um for what it's which worth. is nothing <laughs> i forgot how bad the title was <laughs> uh, oh my god not good um, all right what else should we talk about on this album yeah uh let's see do you want oh, oh, oh can you play can you play a sound oh right sample? the outro yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah forget about that just like yeah Yeah, it's just like one of the few moments of like fiddle and banjo playing. Right. Um, and I appreciated that like in their most, in the moment where they're trying to be the most emotionally effective, they're kind of returning to the roots. So right. I thought that was kind of nice. Yeah, absolutely. My best friend's weddings, tights on my boat, Juliana Calm Down. I definitely want to talk about Juliana Calm Down. Um Maybe, maybe young man. Those are the ones that I'm interested in talking about. We could talk about my best friend's weddings uh, quickly, maybe. Um, I think there's maybe a little bit. Looking back in retrospect, I was never safe. I was never safe. Still not safe. Yeah, you torch me any chance you get. This to me sounds a lot like a Regina Spector song. Um, oh yeah, I can hear that. Very Regina. Um, yeah, so there's there's some very like prosaic stuff here about like, yeah, I met this this person that I was married to at my best friend's wedding, um, and then jump forward twenty years. Um, looking back in retrospect, I was never safe. I was never safe. Still not safe. Yeah, you torch me any chance you get. Um, so. She starts getting into this metaphor. Uh, and the chorus is, I see a wildfire coming, burn in the world that I've known. Watch me, watch me outrun it, take what I need and go. Um, which I don't know how I feel about. I mean, I feel like if they had put more work into it and fleshed it out a bit more, they could have like related it to um, the wildfires that are becoming more and more common in the west sure. of the United States, like in California, which is where she lives, um, and was particularly bad that year, um, especially in the Pacific Northwest. There was a super bad wildfire that um, made it dangerous to go outside for a number of days um, and turned the skies yeah. red, even in like New Hampshire, our friends are telling us. Um, yeah, so, but I think that was uh, a couple months after the song was released. Um, yeah, so 
yeah, it's just it's like kind of disappointing. Like, yeah, you are reaching for this metaphor, and you sort of have it, but you don't really do anything with it. You don't build with it, and you don't earn it for sure because this is it's kind of tasteless to use this as a metaphor in such a throwaway way. I think to just be like, yeah, this is something that has killed people that causes tons of damage that has destroyed right. so many homes in a state that also that already has a severe housing crisis. Um, right. And yeah, I don't know. Like, I think you could earn it potentially theoretically if, uh, uh, cause like the way you resolve it too. in the chorus is like, watch me outrun it, which is, seems kind of cheap. Um, especially when, yeah. people have not been able to outrun it or there's like traffic jams uh and so they can't escape it um or they don't get warned or what have you um and then in the bridge um i'm back at my best friend's wedding yeah she married again i've never seen her look more happy guess from ashes we can really grow so they take it to a cliche too from this like yeah what could have been a you know a somewhat fresh metaphor um to just be like, yeah, so we are growing from the ashes. Um, so, yeah, that's like they're like climaxing with a cl- cliche rather than using it as a starting place <laughs> to get into other stuff. Um, yeah. And of course, climaxing with a cliche is what I do uh, most Saturday evenings, um, sitting alone and reading. <laughs> Uh, um, uh, what's a what's a good uh, I don't know Dan Brown no Dan Brown's not sexy enough what's sexy uh, oh Fifty Shades of Grey there we go that's the Perfect. joke there it is congratulations it is. I did it finally <laughs> um, yeah so anything to say about this song um I think the the lyric "You'd torch me any chance you'd get" is really weird. It's very weird and doesn't work, especially in context of this overarching wildfire metaphor. Yeah, like the torch is a verb. Yeah, it's like I've never heard that sentence before, um, but not in a good way. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just like a weird thing to say. I don't know. Yep. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's move on. Um, do you want to talk about tights on my boat? We keep referring to it um, as just I think like the only thing I want to say on it is that there's an ongoing theme in the song, which is um, usually songs written from the masculine perspective, like I have money, you're just here to take my money, mm-hmm. and the song engages in that, and some other songs in this album engage in that, um, like you're a um, you're my sugar baby and you're unfaithful. Um, and uh, I still think it's gross in in this song. Like, I still have feelings of just like, yeah, it sucks that you're cheated on. But like, ultimately, it is difficult for me to empathize with you because you own a boat. Um, I also was kind of thinking of that. I was like, well, yeah, I um. Yeah, I definitely feel... It kind of reminds me of that song that Taylor Swift wrote about, like, the house that she bought. 
Mm-hmm. She bought like this historic house, you know, it's like, but she did a better job at that because she mostly talked about the previous else was more interesting. Yeah, her. exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. I do want to talk. I do want to play a sound sample from that song okay. though. Uh, Tights on the, my boat, uh, which has a very fun little line break in it uh, right at the very beginning. Oh, no, wait, that's the wrong sound sample. This one. Okay. I hope you die peacefully in your sleep. Just kidding. I hope it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you die. I hope we both die. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so you wanted to talk about Juliana Calm Down? Yeah, this is my least favorite song. This is the most Ooh. problematic song, I think. Spicy take. Here we go. When he's gone. Know exactly where he'll try to take it from. Breathe, it'll be okay. Just put on, put on, put on your best shoes and strut the fuck around like you've got nothing to lose. Show off, show off, show off your best moves and do it with a smile so he doesn't. So, this is a song. Naming all the Dixie Chicks's kids, mm-hmm. like their actual names, yep, and saying to them, "Your dad sucks. Um, you need to perform spitefully for me um, because he's bad." Um, first of all, like I feel like you have to be really, really bad. Uh, a really really bad guy like violent dangerous guy to actually earn having your kids turned against you because even if you're a shitty husband it doesn't mean that you're like a bad father um, or Mm -hmm. a bad spouse like like, there are certain like I don't know levels of sort of decency and like care for your kids you know anyway so like that sucks um, unless like these, all three of these guys are actually that bad, but I kind of doubt it. I think they're just probably just like shitty. Yeah. Cause this is shitty partner. It's involved. Like most of the album is about pretty specifically about Natalie Maines's divorce, but this one. Yeah. Like expands the it's scope. Emily and Marty's to as well. All three of the chicks. And yeah, it seems like even if maybe let's, let's say Natalie Maines's husband or ex-husband did deserve this kind of treatment or this kind of like posturing it seems kind of unlikely that all of the ex-husbands would deserve it i don't know right um yeah absolutely it's it's crazy and like also in the chorus (laughs) like can you imagine telling your kids this uh sorry (laughs) it's hysterical hysterical, right Uh, yeah (laughs) well i i do think it is like this is like highly problematic and it it is wild to me that they wanted to release this song with these lyrics calling their kids by names and saying show off your best moods moves do it with a smile so he doesn't know it's put on like i know you're suffering so much but i need you to pretend like you're happy that you're cutting this man out of your life this this is like so manipulative uh, i mean this is and it's and it's calling their kids like it's the actual kids names in that this song part, like and these are young sucks. kids like, who yeah. are 
who were na- who were born in the 2000s who are like teens um who are capable of performing this kind of like this kind of spiteful stuff for their parents but not capable of questioning uh you know they're like superstar moms anyway like this is like i can't believe that they made this song this is so bad i mean i feel like that's definitely one inter i i guess i didn't think of it along those lines necessarily when i was listening to it i was it sounded to me like kind of a um vague and not very articulate um attempt at like an empowerment song to just be like yeah don't let them see the hurt inside just like um god what am i what am i trying to say um god it's too late and i'm running out of um energy um smile even though you're crying inside and like don't let them see that it's getting to you or whatever um because yeah i mean in the first verse don't give him the satisfaction you can't handle it um i guess to me i thought it was like based on um what it seemed like like i guess I i thought the story being told was like the kids had already been experiencing these kinds of things of like i can't handle this um he is doing these things that are extremely harmful. Uh, this is this weird thing to Harper to the piece, you know, he's going to try to take when he, when he's gone and you know exactly where he'll try to take it from. I have no idea what so they're, what the fuck does that mean? That sounds very troubling. Um, maybe you need to tell Harper this, but like, we don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But like, also I feel like it's self-directed as well. Um, because verse two seems pretty clearly about this, like the ex, the, the spouse or the, you know, the parent, um, self-directed basically. Don't think about his lips, how every time he'd kiss you, you'd tremble. Try to only think about the bad things you remember, breathe. It'll be okay. I guess this is the time to remind you sometimes what's going through your head is just a temporary situation and light will soon be shed. Oh, um, so yeah, I read it as, I don't know, the, the chorus as an attempt to be um, like kind of a, a quasi empowering thing that didn't really work. That was directed as much at the self as at the kids. Um, but your interpretation I think is equally as defensible probably because this song is not specific enough to really support much. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's clear that like, this song is like the speaker in the song is okay. I'm not going to say the speaker in the song because like, obviously there's non the chicks members who wrote the song, mm-hmm. but like, this is like Natalie singing it and they like copied and pasted in names of their kids, the kids of the band members. I mean, they could have just and typed obviously them. I don't know why they'd need to copy. <laughs> yeah. Finally know them pretty well. Yeah. Um, it, it is. It's obvious that this the, that that is a device in this song. It's like I'm trying to comfort the kids, but I'm also trying to comfort myself. Right. But that's like this song isn't about that dynamic. There is no winking or there is no self reflection. Uh-huh. It it is just depicting this thing that problematic parents do, where they take out the angst 
of their divorce on their kids. Yes. Um, and they try to way. make them take sides. <laughs> yes. And, and, and this song is a wildly like famous pop group doing that with their real kids names publicly and when i read the lyrics of the song it makes me think like of course uh as shitty as it is adrian pazdar like wants to know what the lyrics are in the upcoming albums because like if they're if she's gonna write shit like this (laughs) that's this is bad (laughs) this is like so bad yeah (laughs) yeah you're right this is bad behavior and like this is uh extremely toxic behavior i can't believe that they all signed off on this this is bad <laughs> like i don't know any other way what to is it like bad, cameron <laughs> <laughs> i i couldn't believe it when i like listened to the song and i and i was like who are all these people and i was like it's their kids names yeah, I guess maybe that's why I wasn't picking up on it as much because I was listening to it and I was like, okay, she's like talking to her friends and she's like trying to be encouraging and like, yeah, you know, even when this bad stuff is happening, like don't give them the satisfaction of letting it, it see like how it's impacting you emotionally. Just like kind of like the almost like the revenge body of like, yeah, you're going to be on Instagram and yeah. you're gonna show off like how, how much fun you're having. And then it was only later that I came back to me. I was like, oh, their kids' names are in here. Huh. And I didn't really like, connect those two things and like the more you talk about it, the more i'm like yeah that is pretty fucked up holy shit i think all of these names that, that at least have G- genius annotations are their kids like a kid of one of the three right members. i think that is true yeah uh there's a bunch of names at the very end um yeah this song yeah i also, the genius has it's a bunch like shot- of photos of these kids from when they were small, which is great. Thanks for adding those. This to is genius. shocking. It is shocking how like unhinged this song is. <laughs> like, um, yeah, this is so bad. And I, I don't know. I've seen a couple situations recently with like breakups where like toxic shit happens where kids are involved, um, and it's like, yeah, this is what would happen if one of those partners was like a millionaire and and like could like have a career comeback if they felt spiteful enough mm-hmm. you know like this kind of shit would happen and no one would say no um anyway it's a sour taste to be left in my mouth <laughs> at the end of this season <laughs> yep yeah yep you're right um and and again maybe maybe all three of these men actually deserve this um maybe but like it is really really hard for me to imagine that like the best case scenario is for all three of the chicks to agree to publicly tell their kids to turn on their fathers um and uh-huh. to and to perform spitefulness for them yeah like it's really hard for me to imagine what the scenario would be <laughs> like where that is maybe if they were your adult kids but these are all teenagers or younger um, or younger jesus christ okay mm-hmm. uh this is so awful um it's- <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
Did you did you say you wanted to talk about um, Young Man? We could. I mean, maybe it's just best to say it's a song that is a little bit more caring and thoughtful than the than this song mm-hmm. about a similar. It's 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 an extension of the earlier line about like our boys are like you know they look up to you like I'm concerned about their development. It's just that I don't necessarily yeah. think we need to like. I mean, it has I mean, some I need to go to bed. like better lines like. Uh, uh, I've done my best, the best I know how to, and my blues aren't your blues, it's up to you. Like, there is some good, like, separation of, like, yeah, I might have this, like, fucked up thing, but, like, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to perform spite (laughs) to your dad. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) It's it's a better song. In fact, there's the lines, take Uh, the best parts of him as your own life begins, leave the bad news behind you. There you go. Yeah. Um... That's the appropriate, you know, you're acknowledging the pain, saying don't repress it, don't forget that there's good here, all that stuff. Yeah. That's great. Um, uh, also some, like, effective therapy language, you know. My blues aren't your blues. Yes. Um, um, uh, I guess maybe we'll just talk about Set Me Free real quick and then be out. Okay. Yeah. Pizza cats. Mm, delicious pizza cats on those strings. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've never heard a song from this perspective before, I don't I don't think. Of like, please just sign the fucking divorce papers already. Please, for the love of God. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's very prosaic um, about it. It's just like, decency would be for you to sign and release me. Um, so... Yeah. Um, so I appreciate that it's like from that perspective. I have haven't heard a song from that before. Um, uh, I don't know. That's pretty much all. That, but it's like I don't know. It's it's the end of the musical. Like like I said earlier, it sounds like the soundtrack yeah. to a musical about so a woman going through a divorce. And this is the end song. The climax is like, just please sign the divorce papers and just let me go. Um, <coughs> Apparently, I'll. Her, yeah, I. Her. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, like, I think the uh, this song isn't. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Doesn't need to. But like, it's not taking into account the like, the legal industrial, like system that is like designed to milk as much money and conflict as possible, uh-huh. and that is like a lot of what happens with decoupling um, is like in order to have any amount of advocacy at all in a divorce, you have to like have an attorney who is going to tell you to get more money Yep. in order to be able to afford the attorney. Yeah. And like, that is like, that goes beyond decency. Like that's, mm, yes. that's the nature of, mm-hmm. you know, like that's the nature of, uh how this kind of thing works um and 
I mean, I think the sentiment is really understandable, but also beyond that, I think that, um, you know, uh, the issues of like child support and alimony and all that stuff. It's like people who get married, they are like joining together their lives and they are like ostensibly like sacrificing stuff for each other. Even if they're being bad partners, they're like joining their lives together and they're making joint decisions. Um, I mean, it's a legal contract more than anything. I mean, I guess that's kind of trite to say, but it is true. Yeah. It's like that decision. You can't just say decent. You release me. Um, Right. Because there's more than just you you involved, especially when you have kids. Exactly. Uh, And even just on a financial level, it's like, yeah, this shit is really complicated. How do you make all these decisions? And at the end of the day, it's like, if no one's going to get like materially severely hurt, it's like, why wouldn't you take as long as you need to make sure that you advocate for what you need in the process of decoupling? Um, And uh, I don't know. Um, I'm not taking, I'm sure that like her ex-husband is like, I've, I have no problem believing that he is a bad person. Yeah. Um, yeah. Agreed. As, as a partner, like that is not a controversial idea to me, but like this song is about a feeling, but it is invoking ideas of decency. And it's like your past, like ideas of decency. This is what this process is. Um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer. Um, and it's like, I don't know. It's cloaked in this like uh, aesthetic of like audacity and yeah, progressiveness. Um, I mean, the the album title and the cover are both very like provocative. Like the cover involves like three people who i don't think are those the actual chicks i mean they're wearing like so much makeup Mm. and they're like all dolled up in like pageant outfits and like hairdos and stuff i have no idea if those are the actual chicks or not um but they're sort of like the texas debutante ball like pageant um young women and then there's like big bold letters that say the chicks in the middle and then above and below it there are four repetitions of the word gaslighter um yeah i'm I'm looking at a larger picture of this these are not the chicks these are like little these are like tween girls okay so it's a very provocative it's it's like so specifically and deliberately like not cowgirl shit or like any kind of country like signifiers or reference at all it's very like um yeah, very bold and provocative. And then to just, like, go from that to, like, a bunch of songs that are pretty on the nose and are just, like, very flat out just saying things. Um, it's pretty disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd rather just listen to another Taylor Swift album. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, not that At I don't there's some, enjoy like, those. Any- in those in those albums yeah (laughs) 
I say that as if it's like also a bad fate. Like, oh no, I mean, it's awful, but I'd still rather do that than this, but it's not. Um, Anyhow, so that's the last of the Chicks episodes. They had a hell of a story, I think. I think the narrative of, of the Chicks and their career is so interesting. I never would have guessed they'd end up here if I just listened to Thank Heavens for Dale Evans. Um, yeah, it's pretty pretty bonkers. Um, and I think that the the narrative, the meta story about them has pretty much always been more interesting than the music. <laughs> um, <laughs> with maybe the exception of last episode, uh, which I think there was a lot going on in terms of like myth making that we really got into with Melody Walker, um, which ruled. Yeah. Although I'll say, like, personally, I think my favorite albums were the first two Mm -hmm. uh, where there's just a bunch of hot bluegrass playing. (laughs) And then, Mm -hmm. like, there are are a lot of things that I like more than hot bluegrass playing, but um, not in this discography. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, All right. Well, let's close up shop. It's we've been running late. It's late and I want to sleep. Um, Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with something. I don't know what. Um, Maybe some palate cleansers. Depending on Cam's schedule, there might be some other shenanigans going on. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Um, But until that time, and hopefully we don't have to skip a week, uh, until that time, you can visit us online at boxset.website. Email us at email at boxset.website. Tweet us at Topias Podcast. Join the Discord. The link will be in the show notes. You can support us in a number of important and uh, deliciously nutritious ways. You can write reviews on podcasting platforms. You can spread the word to other people. Tell them about the show. Force them to listen to it. Do the Ludovico technique. Uh, strap them down to a chair and thrust those earbuds into their ear holes and make them listen. Uh, and if you want to support us even more than that, my you can drugs. give us some money. My drugs. <laughs> It'll be a real <laughs> horror show. Uh, at support.boxset.website, you get access to our Patreon, including all... which Support.boxset.ultraviolence. <laughs> Speaking of ultraviolence, I'm knocking my mic around like a lunatic over here. Um, you get access to all of our bonus materials, which includes tons of episodes of our mini show, which is not always so many. I think it was like 30 or 40 minutes uh, this week. Um, which is just like a weekly culture club. Uh, this week we talked about Nope, the new movie from Jordan Peele um, and had lots of fun things to say about it and bunch of digressions as per usual. Um, the other thing you should do, in addition to giving us all your money, is listen to Cameron's other podcast, Get Up in the Cool, and then give them all your money too, also additionally. Uh, that is <laughs> delicious money for Cam right in their mouth. Um it's a great show about and is music mostly of the traditional acoustic variety yeah um all right well thanks for joining us everyone i've been nat hunt and of course i am indeed climaxing with a cliche and i've been cameron dewitt and it's giving adele to me dude it's giving adele A little real time punch up. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <clears throat>